Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you that we don't have to go somewhere to meet with you. We thank you that you invite us to share in your presence, to share in your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Church, just turn your attention to him. Give him thanks. He is so faithful and so good. This morning as I walked into the prayer room, there was uh, the one clock in the building that was actually right. And I had just hung it up last week and it was laying face down on the floor on the threshold of the prayer room with the battery thrown out of it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I just got this clock working and now it's broken. And I felt like... Jesus reminded me of a a story in the Old Testament where the Philistines come and they take the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of the presence of God with his people. And the Philistines come and they take the Ark and they bring it into their temple and they put it as an offering before their God who's standing there as a statue. And then they leave. The next morning they come in and there's the ark, and flat on, the, on its face in front of the ark is the, is the idol to their God. So they set him back up, they leave, and they come back the next day, same thing happens. And I was reminded of that because I think what, what God was showing me is that the idol of time in our lives needs to fall on its face before the presence of God. And so why I'm saying that right now is because as, as a format, we're moving away from being centered around, okay, we have to be out of here by 11.30. And if at any point during the morning you're done, you're free to go. You don't have to feel like you have to, to stay around. If you're done before I'm done, then bless you, go um, yeah. Okay? Good. This week also, uh, there's been a week of finding things on the ground. It's weird, but as I was uh, preparing the message, <laughs> see, finding things on the ground. I, I was preparing my message and, and I was uh, working on it and my kids had been in the office and we were reading books and I looked down and there on the floor was this book l- l- looking at me, face up. And it's called When I Get Bigger. 
by Mercer Mayer. And I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting, because that ties in to what we're speaking about this week. We've been talking about the presence of God and, and what it looks like to be carriers of his presence, to walk dwelling in his presence all the time. And uh, this book, it, it goes through this little animal. I don't know what he is, but oh, that's not appropriate. He's not wearing clothes. So he's, he's basically going through, he's saying, you know, when I, when I get bigger, I'll go to the corner store all by myself. When I get bigger, you know, I'll, I'll cross the street by myself. I'll do all these different things by myself when I get bigger. I'll go on a bus to grandmas and grandpas. I'll have my own watch and I'll tell everyone what time it is. I'll go to first grade. And it goes through all of these different things. You know, I, I, I'll stay up late when I get bigger. Then it ends with this. It says, but right now I have to go to bed because mom and dad say I'm not bigger yet. It's a really cute story. Uh, It's a great teaching tool when you want your kids to go to bed. (laughs) But it's highly problematic when it comes to spirituality. We have often this mindset that when I'm bigger, when I'm more spiritually mature, when when this situation is out of my life or dealt with, when I'm not struggling with this, or when maybe when I get married, maybe when my kids move out of the house, then then I'll, I'll, I'll do what God is inviting me to do. Then I'll walk in his presence. Then I'll be so spiritually mature and developed that, that we'll see people get healed and, and delivered and set free when I get bigger. But I'm not bigger yet. That's our perspective when it comes to spirituality. We read a passage where Jesus says, I want you to go and make disciples of nations. You're like, yeah, I'll do that when I get bigger. Read a passage where he says, go and heal the sick and cast out demons, raise the dead. We're like, yeah, when I get bigger, I'll do that. When this situation or that situation lines up in my life, then I will do that. Maybe it's even that, that, that you're waiting for a situation to happen so that you can enter into relationship with Jesus. But here's the thing. The world is dying for an encounter that is real and genuine. The world is desperate to know the King of Kings who loves them, who died for them, who took on himself all of the sins of the world so that they could be set free. I was talking to the director of our after-school program. uh, And she's located in in Kelowna. And she said to me this week, she said, you know, there are so many kids that come to our program that don't even know who Jesus is. They've never heard the name of Jesus. 
This is in Canada. They've never heard the name of Jesus. So how can they choose one who they've never heard about? I believe that God is bringing the nations of the world to Canada. And it's an opportunity for us to display his goodness and his glory. So often we haven't done that. We've tried to segregate or, or separate people. Oh, what, what about this and what about that? But I believe that God is, God's hand is on this moment in our nation. And as the church, it is time for us not to wait until we are bigger, but for us to step up right now. To love people right now. Humanity is facing, is faced with problems that we don't have solutions to. But Jesus does. We can't play around anymore. This isn't a game that we can just say, well, right now I'm comfortable and that's what this is all about. I believe the church is to be marked with a radical obedience that when we read, when we, when we encounter the word of God, we move in it. We act on it. it. It's it's not about organized religion. Okay, organized religion has no power, but but the world is desperate for an encounter that is real and genuine, an encounter with the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our message is simple. Jesus loves you. Just as you are, he died so that his light could come and live in your life. And our message is that if you'll turn to him, there is so much more that he has for you. He wants to come. He wants to transform you. He wants to love you. He wants to give you hope and a purpose. He wants to fill your life with peace. That's our message. It's that simple. And here's the thing. Jesus' solution all the problems, all the things that I just listed. His solution to displaying that to the world is you. He wants to fill your life. He wants to be relational. He wants to, to have a relationship with you where every moment of every day you are walking out that relationship. And by doing that, we get to display the glory of God to the world. Jesus didn't just die to get you into paradise, but to get heaven into you. So that you would be able to live in his presence, with his presence filling you, surrounding you all the time. 
And it's not for some later time in your life. It's not for when you are bigger. It's for right now. Right this moment. Right the situation you're in. Right now. You're not past your prime. It's not too late for you. There's no retirement when it comes to fulfilling the mission of Jesus. Amen? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians four verse one it says now it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry. And we will not quit or faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the word of God. Instead we open up our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and presence of God. Even if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are perishing, for their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day-spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ, for we are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God, as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. What Jesus paid for is that you could walk in relationship face to face with God. Not where you come as a beggar and, and fall at his feet and say, I'm so unworthy, I just, I can't, I can't be here, I can't. But of someone who comes face to face. Do you realize how profound this is? That being in the presence of Jesus, living with Jesus actually looks like being face to face with him. That the same light that at creation said, or the same, the same word that at creation said, let there be light, that same word is Jesus. And he wants to live with you. And then Paul goes on and he says, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. Jesus is looking for the common through which he can display the extraordinary. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's not looking for you to be done with your humanity. He wants to display his power through your humanity. 
He wants to partner with you. Right now, right here. It's not about perfection. It's not about having it all together or knowing all the right answers or, or knowing the Bible so well that you, can, that you can read the whole thing without even opening it. That you can quote it back. It's not about being so professional in apologetics that you can debate and argue any question that arises. Of course, these things are good things, but it's not about that. It's about being clay jars in which we allow his treasure to live inside. With the development of Instagram and Facebook and social media and all these different things, it's brought about, actually it hasn't brought this about because this was always there, our idea that we have to put on some kind of mask, some kind of show. I think it's just actually accentuated what has always been there. And it's that human beings, we feel like we need to show to everyone that we are perfect. We've got the best life, we've got it all figured out. Right? No, that's not true. But, but we try and put that mask on. We, no, you don't. That's good. <laughs> the rest of us do. We try and, and, and cover ourselves with good intentions. In many ways, we, instead of being clay pots, we try and take the clay and we try and coat it in silver. Our good intentions, our works, our actions. We try and make that what people see about us. We want people to like us, so we adjust. But Jesus ex- addresses that exact issue in Matthew 23:25. He says, "Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and imposters." You are like one who will only clean the outside of the cup or bowl, leaving the inside filthy. You are foolish to ignore the greed and self-indulgence that live like germs within you. Shouldn't the one who cleans the outside also be concerned with the cleaning of the inside? You need to have more than clean dishes. You need clean hearts. See, what we try and present to the world is this idea of a silver cup. We look so great on the outside, and inside we are empty and broken. But what Jesus wants to display through your life is that of a clay pot filled with a treasure. It maybe looks ordinary. When you look at it, it's not like, oh wow, that's something that that I want to just, you know, I want that. But it's the treasure that's inside that's put on display. In your brokenness, in your pain, in your trials and in your struggles. 
The moments where you feel the most unworthy and inadequate, where you feel like just a clay jar. Those are the moments that the treasure of Jesus is put on display. Where people actually get to see the extraordinary in the common. Is there room for the presence of Jesus in our lives? Or are we content with religious exercises that make us look good on the outside, but useless and dirty on the inside? You see, when we stand before Jesus and all that silver coating melts away, What treasure have we cultivated? Because if that treasure is not the presence of Jesus in our lives, then we're left with nothing. This is the most valuable treasure that you could ever go after in your life. Jesus says, what good is it if a man was to gain the whole world, to gain wealth and fame and fortune but he lost his soul. What good is it if we've cultivated this outward appearance if we are not carrying the treasure of his presence? Church, it's, it's time that the mediocrity of modern Christianity dies. Because it has no place in the display of the glory of Jesus to the world. We can't live mediocre and complacent and display Jesus to the world. We can't live in comfort and die to ourselves. And I promise you that dying to yourself is far more worth it than the comfort. Here's the thing about his presence. Your life can host it, but it can't contain it. When you choose to enter into partnership with Jesus, it's like you just stepped into a downpour with all your clothes on. You get soaked, you get covered, it's messy, but it's so good. It's not, it's not progressive, it's not like we encounter the presence of Jesus and then we build that up and build that up and build that up until we have an overflow. No, the moment that you encounter the presence of Jesus, there's an overflow. The moment that you invite him into your life to come and partner with you and do life with him, there's an overflow to the people around you. We've bought into this idea that when when I'm bigger, I'll have the overflow. But for now, I just need to be in his presence. No, if you are in his presence, there is an overflow.
You don't have to have it all figured out before Jesus will start using you. See, Jesus isn't asking you to save the world. He's not asking you to have the answers to the world's problems. He's inviting you to partner your life with his life. To die to yourself so that his life can fill you, that you can be transformed by him. It's not about religious duty and working harder and striving more and trying all these different things. It's about inviting Jesus to come and work through your life. To come and be the one to transform you. To come and bring what he has, love and joy and peace, patience, to fill your life. And when he does that, there's an overflow. It's about saying, in the midst of your frailty and your humanity, look at the treasure I found. This morning, all I'm doing is saying to you, look at the treasure I've found. The treasure of Jesus. Don't look at at some polished version of myself. Look at the treasure I've found in my humanity, in my brokenness, in my impatience. But look at the treasure I've found. Look at the patience he brings. Look at the love that he brings. Look at the peace that he brings. So what do we need to do? Our job is to make our life a place where Jesus is put on display. Make your life a place where Jesus is put on display. Let him be the one to transform you. In 2 Corinthians 4, which we read, it says that we refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the word of God. Instead, we open up our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight of the presence of God. We don't change his word. Two reasons for that. This same word, who is Jesus, we need to understand something. This is central to what we believe because this points to Jesus. I said this last week, this is Jesus in print. You want to know who Jesus is? This is where you find who Jesus is. And when you read this, it should point you to him. It should point you to fall in love with him. If you're reading it for any other reason, you're reading it wrong. We don't change his word for two reasons. One, because the same word 
that spoke at creation. That had the power to say, let there be light, and there was light. That is Jesus. If we change his word, it is no longer his word. It's a very profound statement. Right? We don't change it because if I change his word, it's no longer his word. And number two, because the very uh, power of transformation that is in his word. If I change his word, it no longer has the power to transform. It no longer has the power to make things different in my life. Essentially, if I change it, all I'm giving you is my best device, and there is no power in that. And somewhere we started to believe that Jesus wasn't powerful enough to defeat mental illness. That Jesus wasn't powerful enough to take on cancer. To crush cancer. That Jesus wasn't powerful enough to set people free from addiction or from a lifestyle that they've chosen. And we've made all of these conditions where like, well, Jesus, Jesus is good, but he can't do this. Maybe we don't even say it like that. But we don't live in a way where we're believing him for those things. So what can Jesus do? Well, we say, well, he can, he can forgive our sins sometimes if they're not too bad. And sometimes he can comfort us if I'm not too anxious. But that's a lie. The word of God is powerful. There is nothing that can stand against the word of God, who is Jesus. And maybe we've made those compromises around his word because we're afraid that maybe we'll look like a fool. What if, what if I, I believe that and then it doesn't happen? What if my experience doesn't line up with the word? See, we're not believing the word as a form of imagination. I believe the word. I believe Jesus because he has proven himself faithful. When I look at my life over and over and over, when I'm facing something ahead of me, I can look at that and say, I know that Jesus is faithful. Why? Because of what he did here and here and here and here. It's not just a matter of of imagination. It's a matter of seeing the faithfulness of Jesus. Jesus. 
This same word that created light. It doesn't bow to your experience. When we stand on the word of who Jesus is, when we build relationship with Jesus, when we invite him into our lives, I can promise you that it's your experience that changes. I can promise that to you because I've seen him do it in my life. I can promise it to you because he shows his faithfulness over and over and over again. We need to make our lives a place to display Jesus. And we need to do it now. This isn't something that waits until we're more spiritually mature or when we're more developed or when the kids leave home. Here's the thing. The mission of Jesus... Let me backtrack. Your families, our families, our marriages, our work situations, our employment were never meant to be excuses for us not fulfilling the mission. Instead, they're meant to be avenues in which we can display the goodness of Jesus, the glory of Jesus to the world. The same power resides in us when we invite Jesus into our lives. So we can know First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians says that he has cascaded his light into us, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face. Of Jesus. We are invited to carry His presence, to walk in His presence, to walk with His presence, to have such an intimate relationship with God. Not as, as a silver cup that's all polished on the outside, but as a clay jar. In our frailty and in our humanity, we display Jesus to the world. That is the treasure that is worth, Jesus is the treasure that is worth making our whole lives about him. There's nothing else that will fulfill, there's nothing else that will satisfy except for Jesus. except for walking in intimate personal relationship with Jesus. It says that Jesus is the exact image of God. 
God is not wrathful and vengeful. He's not coming after you with a big stick waiting to beat you upside the head. He is exactly what is displayed in the life of Jesus. He is gracious. He is kind. He is passionate. He is zealous. And he's inviting you Not once you get bigger to to partner with him. He's inviting you today, right now, to partner with him. As a quick side note, one of the things about a clay jar is that it's genuine. We don't need more door-to-door salesmen for Jesus. Unless your job is a door-to-door salesman, then... Go for it. We need people who are going to partner authentically and genuinely with Jesus. There's been so much religion that has taken place and that has stripped the beauty of Jesus. So that when people think of Jesus, they think of some organization or some monster. Not Jesus is the monster, but, but this organization is a monster. But that's not who he is. And if we will live genuine, if we will display him in our humanity, people will start to see, the world will start to see the beauty and glory of Jesus. Jesus is looking for the common through which he can display the extraordinary. There are 10,000 people outside of those doors that are waiting for a real, genuine encounter with Jesus. Jesus left us with a mission. And he gave us his spirit as the power to carry out that mission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. He said, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Make disciples. Guess what? Salt Spring is part of the nations. Do you know that? We aren't called as a corporation. We're not called to come and sit in seats and fund the staff of the church to go out and fulfill the mission of Jesus. Come on, can I be honest? No, I guess not. We are not called to come and fill seats and fund somebody else to do the mission that Jesus has given us. The mission is for his church. Who is his church? To be equipped to fill... To, to fulfill the work of the ministry. Everything else is to support you as the church going out and doing the ministry of Jesus. There are 10,000 people waiting.
Will you do it now or will you say, I will when I'm bigger? Are we going to excuse our disobedience for waiting until I'm bigger? I'm not okay with that. You have everything you need right now to display Jesus to the world. Will you carry him? Will you welcome him to come and flow through your life? That's where the transformation is. That's where the power is. It's not in trying to do good deeds and do good works. Jesus didn't come and die on a cross, beaten and abused. So that we could just do good works. So we could just come and sit in the building. He did it because he took on himself the punishment that we deserved. So that we could enter boldly into the presence of God. That we could walk in relationship with God intimately. That we could actually know who God is. Just like you know your own mother or father or siblings. That intimately. Let's pray. This morning, if you're, if you're interested in knowing what it looks like or what it means to invite Jesus into your life, I want to encourage you to come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to go for coffee and we can talk about it. But what it looks like to actually display God to the world. And if this morning... If you have invited Jesus into your life, but you haven't seen that overflow. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to stand. Jesus, I ask that you would mark us with radical obedience. That when we would hear your word, 
we wouldn't come up with excuses or reasons not to do it, but that we would we would step into it with obedience. I ask that you would awaken in our hearts such a fire and a passion to love the people that you've put around us. And I ask that you would even right now bring faces to our mind of people that we should be praying for. That you'd give us opportunities to step out with boldness and that we wouldn't shy away. In Jesus' name, amen.